Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia. Oh man. Well, we are we're finally starting to see humans lower half of their faces. Ooh, it is a blessing to see a smile. I mean, of course we have to wear the mask for to prevent people dying, but yes. I just I need smiles in my life. Yeah. Or I just at least to know if they're smiling at me or not. Oh God. Know? I think somebody was like on the internet saying, you don't have to smile under your mask, just like squint your eyes. And I'm like, you can smile. It's okay to have joy in your life. Wait. Because it's cause was somebody you, so exhausted and bothered by making their mouths turn up that they said, just don't waste the energy. Yeah, they're like, just squint because it looks like you're smiling. And I'm like, you bitch. Ugh. Smile. It's okay to have joy. That that sounds like a person who's just mirroring people's emotions normally in the day. Like, well, if I don't have to make that expression, then why would I? I know. A lot of people don't understand what laughing is like if it's not at somebody's expense. Yeah, you for know? sure. For sunshine sure. birds chirping the day is beautiful yeah no i was younger in like the mean girls click in the punk scene there we had a one of my best friends was we thought she was the funniest person but it turns out looking back she was just really mean <laughs> she was just mean that was the the, the comedy bitch that she was doing she was yeah, just yeah, really yeah. Uh, brutal oh yeah look at that piece of shit over there <laughs> <laughs> you're yep. so funny yep that's that's about it <laughs> But being lonely and isolated, I naturally got like very depressed in myself. My weight fluctuated, mm-hmm. alcohol intake fluctuated, um, just not copacetic, not good. Yeah, for sure. And I know in this time period, even friends of ours who consider themselves introverts were at a point going, maybe I'm not an introvert. Maybe I uh, really need to see people because I'm going uh, quite mad. Yeah, it's literally illegal in some states to have solitary confinement. Yeah, I mean, that is, I think that is the worst nightmare for most people is if you're in prison and they put you alone with only your thoughts in a room. Oh my God. How terrifying is that? That's when the monster comes out. That's why we're so afraid of the dark because we don't know the monsters that could come out and our mind creates the monsters. For sure, Uh, yeah. And uh, so this is like actually, I think, going to be kind of an important part of the story we're talking about. Hello, I am Natalie Jean. I'm Amber Nelson. Welcome to Someplace Underneath. This week, we are talking about loneliness and isolation and what that means and what that can do to somebody and um, how 
vulnerable that can make them. Ooh, you can gaslight somebody. I mean, if you get them alone, they lose their power. You can gaslight them. You can lie to them. And you're just like, I don't know, I guess. Okay. Yep. And it really does. You start to, if if you are being isolated with somebody, and then we'll talk about in this case, we're going to discuss whether or not maybe this was a little bit coerced or not, but you can really just completely distort their mind and their worldview. Um, and they'll, you'll just, any of us will yeah. just start to just agree and believe it because Absolutely. you're tired and you're alone, you know? I consider myself a strong, independent woman, but I have for sure been in relationships where it's like, I I forgot that he said he likes hockey and it's my fault. <laughs> yeah. I'm so stupid. And I'm like, I'm sorry, I forgot you liked hockey. Who gives a fuck? Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, so this is that in, in you know, the heightened, heightened to like 10,000 degrees in this story. We're going to be talking about the case of Angela Green. And I don't want to even just say case because she's a woman. It's not a case. It's a person. Yeah. Her name is Angela Green. She has been missing uh, since 2019. Her husband has a lot to do with it, unsurprisingly. We are going to be talking a lot about cases on this show where it's coming from inside the house. And this is definitely one of those. So we're going to be talking about some of the things her husband has said about her disappearance, but not necessarily because they're actually potential clues. They could be what he says, or some of it could be, or he could be completely talking out of his butthole because oh, yeah. he is lying repeatedly. He just says, oh, she's over there. No, she's over there. She's dead. No, she's not dead. Yes. Like, shouldn't these be red flags for the police? Uh, <laughs> you would think so. Um but apparently, and I don't, we'll talk about this too. I don't know if it's really a flaw of the police or a flaw of our justice system, but um, he is clearly and undeniably lying because his stories conflict so much. His stories to me are so paper thin and so shoddy. It's, it makes me think of like a seven year old who's got chocolate all over his face. Yeah. And he's going, No, I, I didn't eat the cookies. A man came in. <laughs> he had a dog, a brown dog with him, and they had a bag and they put the cookies in the bag and then they <laughs> left. And that is basically the level of story that this man is telling. Yeah. So our question then becomes, why is he not being treated as a suspect and why is this still an open case and why, 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 why? It might have something to do with Angela Green coming from China. And we'll talk about that for sure. Uh so let's uh, let's actually let's just talk about Angela Green okay. right now. Um, she is a woman and a mother who has been missing since sometime sometime basically in June of 2019. At this time in 2019, she was 51 years old. We don't have an exact missing date because, well, her husband Jeff has mostly refused to talk, and when he does, as mentioned before, he has very conflicting information. <sighs> This story has fluctuated between she has died, she got psychiatric holded and is in a mental hospital, that she went out partying and she just never came home. All of this seems suspicious for obvious reasons. And yet the police haven't considered her husband, Jeff, a suspect for most of this time. No, he's just one of the bros. Or at least if they do, they're not telling the, the public that he's a suspect. Um, you may be wondering also why more people in her life haven't been making a fuss over this strange turn of events, because it turns out as we're looking more into these stories, these cases and these people, it really is these cases only remain relevant if the people 
around them are trying to keep them relevant. Yes. Usually like the a missing person is found when the family or the friends come out and they literally hold a sign on the highway, say, yeah. remember this person, look at this person's face. Yeah. But if your family is mostly in China or maybe they came here and moved away, yeah. you have nobody and you yeah. don't really speak a lot of English and people don't really speak a lot of Mandarin around you. Yeah. It's, Absolutely. Yeah. There, we are now facing this this huge mountain that shouldn't be that complicated because her husband clearly make, is making shit up. And yet we're, this is still where we are two years later. So, yes, this is super sus, clearly. <laughs> I mean, if you like disappeared, Amber, and your significant other was like, uh, she went to a fair and I was like, wait, what fair are you talking about? And he's like, uh, you know, the it was the one on the military base. She's uh, she joined the army. And I'd be like, wait, 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 hang on. What? What? And then he just screams like earthquake and then just runs away. Yeah. I'd be like, well, I think I need to look into this deeper. <laughs> maybe um, she's not at the fair. Maybe she didn't join the army because she's never ever once said she wanted to join the army. God. So. We don't really know necessarily how deep this goes, but one reason, like you said, Amber, may be why there aren't all of these people screaming like, what are you talking about? It's because Angela is an immigrant from China. She doesn't have a large community outside of her house, and she speaks somewhat limited English in an area that's predominantly white and American-born. At the last census from 2010, over 95% of the population of Prairie Village, Kansas, which is where they live, was white, and only 1% being from the entire continent of Asia. It's a big old place, too. Let alone China. It's, uh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, Prairie Village is not big. I was reading the story, and I was like, do I check up on my neighbors? I don't think I do. I don't right. think I, like, knock on their door and say, hi, I'm your neighbor. Here's some pie, you know? For sure. And we talked about this on other episodes too. You don't always know who your neighbors are and you don't always know if something's wrong. And that's no. not necessarily everybody's fault going like, well, the neighbors should have been t keeping tabs. Um, that's definitely not, you know, we can't all make sure every single human being is okay at all times. No. Well, but yeah, I know I have one neighbor because she talks like this really loud. <laughs> yeah, you mostly know the neighbors who you hate the most because yes. they're like annoying. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. And I know the neighbor whose dog shits in my yard. I know those two yeah. neighbors. Yeah, 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 yeah. Anybody who's nice, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If you're polite, then I don't know you. <laughs> yeah, so they live in Prairie Village, Kansas. It's pretty close to Kansas City, Kansas, over on the sort of east side of the state. And it is, uh, you know, it's predominantly white American born. She was very alone in this community. I don't even know if we would actually know who Angela was or her name, if not for her only child, her daughter, Ellie Green. I feel so terrible and hard. I feel hard for this girl. Young, She's a young woman, I should say. Yeah. This horrible ordeal has been thrust upon her, and she has been entirely dependent on strangers to help her with this case with her mom. See, Ellie doesn't believe her father. Um, in fact, her father has been so elusive and bizarre that they've become estranged from one another over this time period. Mm. 
It was so confusing that Ellie didn't report her mother as missing until February of 2020, seven plus months after the last time she saw her. And was she 19 years old? She was 19 at the time. When yeah. I was 19, I was picking my nose and eating my boogers. I know. Something equivalent to that stupid. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to go report to the police a crime. Well, and this is exactly what happened. She believed her father. Her father told her a thing and she had no reason to question it. And also... She trusted her father. Yeah, why wouldn't you? She she was still in that scenario, a kid who had just gotten out of high school. So for her to question what her dad said would be, there would be no reason for it. I would have just accepted it probably at that age. So she finally, seven plus months after she last saw her, which was February of 2020, was also right before COVID crushed the planet yeah. into submission. So not only is this weird thing happening, now COVID happens on top of it and literally everything grinds to a halt everywhere. Oh, yeah. How many cases are just like completely brushed over because of COVID? I mean, a lot, a lot. And a lot of things got delayed, like very bad people <laughs> and Josh Tucker uh, <laughs> just got picked up because of how we were dealing with this like immediate crisis oh yeah but now we're going to talk about where angela came from she was born with the name Shinhee, and either tianjin or baoding in the province of huabei china baoding and tianjin are both huge cities they both host tens of millions of people and they're it's sort of the northeast part of china there's like conflicting Mm -hmm. reports of where she was born exactly but basically they're two cities that are right next to each other they're huge and they're massive and where that part that province is which is basically like a state Mm -hmm. uh is directly west of korea and it's just right off the yellow sea there so angela grew up in a huge bustling metropolis biaoding has a large economy including the automotive industry and that's it's not clear whether that's why Jeff Green ended up there. Because he's a mechanic, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he was a, like a mechanic and a salesman during the 90s. So, but that's when Jeff ended up in China. And that's where he and Angela first met. They were set up by f- mutual friends. They uh, had their first date at the Hard Rock Cafe. Oh, wow. So I like people going to China and being like, should I have some local food? Nah, let's nah. do Hard Rock Cafe. Yeah, we got to get over to the, see what kind of McDonald's tastes like over here. Oh, my God. So, yeah, their first date was at Hard Rock in Beijing, which is also right in that area. Mm-hmm. So they were super into each other. They just, they... They got along really quickly and... He doesn't speak a lot of Mandarin, though. No, but she speaks English. Mm -hmm. It may be in her mind, it's not fluent. She's not fluent enough over it because she had... She was really insecure about it in Kansas. But it seems to me, based on what her daughter said, like she could speak pretty well. Yeah, she's probably better than what she thought, which is the case happens with a lot of women, myself included, where I'm just like, I'm not that good. And I'm actually... No, I'm pretty good at the thing. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) And I think that was the case. So... So Jeff never spoke any Mandarin, which is Angela's uh, birth language, and but she could speak English enough that they, you know, they could get along and they liked each other. But Jeff was only in China temporarily for this job. So he goes back to the States, but they decide they're going to keep in touch and they commence letter writing to each other back and forth. They're still kind of in this relationship. And then in 1998, which is very shortly after they first met, Angela decides she's going to pack her stuff up, give up her life in China, 
where she had been studying journalism Mm. and moved to the U.S. to be with Jeff. Angela definitely wanted to start a family. That was, I think, probably part of why she wanted to maybe have this life with Jeff. Yeah. But she had been in school. Like, she was going to have a career and everything. Um, In China, if you're 27 and not married, you're considered a leftover woman. It is highly, like, highly pushed on women to have children and marry as early as possible. 23 is considered old. Yeah. And I think that probably also played into it because she was... Quote, 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 older, very young woman still, of course. But she came from, you know, her parents were professors. She was not some like country bumpkin kind of girl. Smart, capable, again, like smart, capable, independent women who just wind up in these things where it's like, he told me this, but okay. Yeah. Uh, So (laughs) she packs up and moves to the U.S. to be with Jeff And apparently Jeff at this time was divorced. He already actually had a teenage daughter who was a teenager in the late 90s who had no idea that he was corresponding with a woman until she showed up in Kansas. And Jeff's like, it's your new mommy. Whoa. Um, Yeah. So, yeah, he's already making some questionable decisions at this point. Not telling his daughter that he was bringing a wife home. It's kind of a big deal. So they get married They move into a small house in Prairie Village and... Oh, didn't he lie to her about his age too? Yeah, he does. He does lie about his age and he actually doesn't... I don't think even till she is in the US tells her that he's surprised that he is 13 years older than her. Yeah, and it's different to be like, oh, five years older, two years, 13 years? Especially, I mean, it's fine if you tell them, I guess, and they're fine with it and you're both adults, but... He lied, like directly lied. So he's already lying. Jeff's kind of pulling some weird shit immediately from the start. But they they get married. She's there now. They move into a small house in Prairie Village where they remained through all of this ordeal that's going on. And a couple years later, in the year 2000, they have Ellie, one of those crazy Y2K babies. Mm -hmm. You know, what a time. What a time. Were all of our clocks going to reset? Nothing was, you know, certain. You just have one of those babies. Yeah. Man, that's like, man, Y2K was like a conspiracy theory before social media. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, and it just spread before the internet. Yeah. Can you imagine Y2K on Twitter? There would have been people who would have given their families up and stuff. Ugh. Well, that was COVID. I yeah. think COVID was Y2K for Twitter. Well, yeah, I mean, in QAnon shit. But anyway... <laughs> I digress. After Ellie was born, Angela was just so delighted in being her mother. Both of her parents, actually, according to Ellie, doted on her. But because Angela was a stay-at-home mom, she and Ellie became very deeply bonded. More so by the fact that Angela didn't really leave the house very much. She didn't speak, again, she says she doesn't speak a ton of English, but Ellie says she could speak pretty well. So she didn't maybe necessarily have like tight relationships with her neighbors but they always knew her as kind and friendly when they would see her to me if i'm putting myself in this situation it must have been so crazy and surreal moving from this bustling city and in school to the four walls of this tiny house where nobody speaks your birth language Mm. in this little quote-unquote you know city it's really a town more than anything 
Yeah, people usually move from the country to a city and they don't move back. Very rarely do people move from the city to the country. Yeah, unless they're like retiring or something. Retiring or you're just over it or or you're from the country to begin with. Yeah. And then you move to the city and you decide you hated it. Right. So this idea of moving to this sort of like Kansas thing, you no, know, you have to have a car to get anywhere. Yeah. And she's not used to driving like those big cities and where she's from. You could just take a subway. Right. To me, that seems already traumatic. Yeah. But I hope it's what she really wanted. Um, I do wonder if Jeff sort of made it seem different where he was like he offered her something yeah. different than she showed up to. And he was like, this is can't surprise. You're in Kansas. Yay. Uh, here's. Hi. I'm yeah. in Kansas. And she's like, where's like the bowling alleys? Where's the movies? Oh, there's one a couple towns over. It's oh, like mean? it's like this three hour drive. I got to get in the car and go three hours to go bowling one night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I know what? I'm used <laughs> to just getting on the train, going two stops and like there's everything I want. Right. Yeah. Uh, that is what she was brought into. And so I, I mean, if you're used to that life, that's what you're used to. And God bless it. But like coming from a city to that life, it's a huge yeah. And yeah, not to try. I have a lot of family who lives in Kansas. I'm not just yeah. shitting on Kansas. I swear to God, I like visiting them there. Um, but it's just it's a culture shock. Yeah, I would imagine. In a fast paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia. Sofas, recliners, love seats, everything is better in leather. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley, where bold meets durable. And wait a minute, who's been finger painting on the couch again? That's okay. Leather is easy to clean. The new leather collection at Ashley is built with the durability you need for the whole family. Yes, pets too. Luxury is meant to be livable. Shop chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Also, Angela does have a sister who goes by the name Catherine, who also immigrated to the U.S. almost a decade prior to Angela. And it might have been appealing to Angela as well, because that sister happened to live in Kansas also. And maybe it seemed doable to her. Maybe it was a thing where she had feelings for the sky and this this kind of pushed it over the edge. Like, my sister's there. Everything, you know, I yeah. won't be alone. A lot of people don't realize how big America is. For sure. I mean, I sometimes forget how big America is. Yeah. I was telling you earlier, I was like, I'm going to, because we live in California. I was like, I'll just drive and see my mom in Mississippi. But it's like a week long drive. Yeah. You have to like block out yeah. a part of a calendar. Yeah. So unfortunately, after a couple of years, Catherine and her family moved to New York City. And again, if you're not familiar with the geography of the states, that's really far from Kansas. Yeah. Especially if you're not somebody who does cars and planes a lot and stuff. So while they maintained a relationship, life sort of moves on and then they didn't see each other or talk all the time, which is very much how my family is too. Like they just became sisters who didn't have like a falling out. They just, their lives separated. They bisected and went other ways. So Ellie becomes Angela, her daughter Ellie becomes Angela's lifeline in a lot of ways. 
Angela didn't like to drive and she wouldn't go to the store on her own. Angela, by the way, is this beautiful woman, uh, very striking, uh, like sort of long and lean. Yeah. And very, um, she has like a sort of ethereal grace to her. She is gorgeous. Yeah. yeah. And then Jeff, uh, just to like kind of paint a picture, he's obviously older. He's kind of a bigger guy, not like threatening in like uh, any, I don't mean like threatening at all, but he, he looks like a salesman from the 90s. He does. He, re- yeah, he like really does. <laughs> big hands. He probably has a giant Rolex watch or something and a briefcase, like that kind of dude. Yeah. And a very awkward dude, like not at all what I would say is like a suave kind of intimidating man. He's kind of a nerd. Yeah. Seems like a Clumsy. little bit. Yeah. So this is a little bit of a, of a picture of who those people are. So Angela, she didn't like to drive. She wouldn't go to the store on her own. She wanted somebody like basically if she wanted to go somewhere, her husband or her daughter would be with her, Mm -hmm. even though her English was okay. Like we said, I think she was a little self-conscious, especially in an area where everybody was there was no diversity. It wasn't like some people spoke English better than others. It was just she she probably felt very awkward. I mean, I'm just guessing. I don't know. That's speculation. It's also a lot of space. You're probably like, whoa, what do you mean I can just do a twirl in the grocery (laughs) store? (laughs) I know, right? (laughs) I'm used to having people like shoving into me. Yeah. Yeah. Like in, in being sort of when you're in a city like New York or I assume where she was, you can just sort of hide away wherever you go in a place like this, even if you technically, quote unquote, would blend in, people still stare at you and want to know your business 24-7. Oh, my God, the stares. And I'm like a white woman. And I go through these like small towns with my family. The stares I get. And and like, just hi. because you're like, probably they don't know who you are. They just don't know who yeah. I am. Hi, hello. You have something to say to me? Right. Yeah, it must have been a lot. So, yeah, Angela didn't have a lot of communication with the outside world. And that sort of became more of a progressive thing over the years. Her neighbors were the only people who really saw her, although she would participate in things at Ellie's school and stuff. She was very doting. She was a lovely woman. She loved Ellie so much. And so she would, you know, go to like volunteer for school plays and like help make costumes and things like that. She didn't, however, have a bank account or a credit card and She mostly chose to be the house manager and caretaker. She enjoyed gardening and she loved to meticulously maintain this little island of earth across the street from their house. The literal embodiment of having your own little patch, you know, Um, and, you know, you know what I mean? That's like islands where if there's a couple streets that don't make a like almost like a triangle. Yeah. Um, that's in a lot of suburbs. That, that was her safe space. Yeah, it was like right in front of their house and she really loved to to garden and it was like her own little, her place to just, and people knew it was Angela mm-hmm. who like, that was her little land. So nobody really messed with it. I'm bringing this up because it'll come back in a little bit. So many moms from the school when she did that sort of stuff had positive memories of her. It wasn't like she was standoffish or, or cold. She just kind of removed herself from a lot of stuff. And Angela showered Ellie with love, but she was also achievement oriented and kept Ellie from having much of a social life herself. No like partying, no really dating until she was older, et cetera, because she really had strong goals for Ellie. And also was just like, you can find videos of Angela's, all the beautiful, like she would make all these art pieces for Ellie to take in the mornings. Like she cut out things and make little animals and stuff with little notes that said how much Aww. she was loved. And it was like, 
she seems like she was just such a good mother. That's so um, sweet. And I didn't know. the daughter, Angela, speak like four languages? Well, Ellie, the daughter, does. Yeah, Sorry, so, Ellie. Sorry. Yeah, Ellie's the daughter. She was, yeah, she, it paid off. She was the valedictorian of her high school, and she speaks four languages. She's unquestionably an exceptional young woman. And, and beautiful. Oh, my God. She's so pretty, too, like a real full package kind of gal. She is. You know, and she received scholarships for mm -hmm. her academics, and she ends up going to the University of Kansas, which is about an hour away by car from Prairie Village. So while that might not seem like much to you and me, Amber, because we've just been roaming the world, the streets just, from a young age. Yeah. Um, it's kind of a big deal for, especially if you don't have a car and don't want to drive. Yeah. And you're going into a big city. Universities are usually in bigger cities. Definitely bigger than Prairie Village. Yeah. <laughs> and she's at this point, you know, been almost 20 years in, in the States and been in this little town. So now she's more accustomed to this life oh and going back to somewhere else might feel a little intimidating to her. I remember when my dad, um, he drove me to a bigger city because we're from a very small town, kind of like that. And he drove, there was a four-way stop sign and he thought it was just like the the biggest like oh this is the big city like freaking out about a four-way stop sign so i can see he didn't like it there's four different options to go yeah oh yeah. god yeah. um yeah so this seems like a far stretch for angela and it's it's a little traumatizing to her i think i think it was quite a shock to her system because ellie had been her entire focus for almost 20 years Aww. at this point she's writing her notes saying i love you now there's no one to write the notes to and she you know it's like pushing she's she's pushing ellie to college it's not like she's mad that she's going to school but i think emotionally and mentally she wasn't maybe preparing herself in a way because we can't sometimes for those things you sometimes you experience a trauma that you didn't prepare for you know and also ellie has sort of said that even though she never saw her parents fighting or anything real, I mean, they did fight, but like she didn't see any red flags as a little kid that her dad was like a danger to her mom or anything. They didn't really have a romantic relationship after a while and like sort of had more of a business interaction. They didn't sleep in the same room or anything. Wow. So at this point when Ellie leaves, Angela's now with this guy who she maybe doesn't have like the best relationship with he's a stranger in her own house kind of and, like, and like people grow they grow differently ideally in a relationship or a marriage you would like to grow together yes but sometimes people just grow so apart yeah and it did seem like that and we don't have any idea if, if they were both happy with that arrangement or if maybe one of them wanted something more or less we don't know we don't really have any insight into that especially because we only know any of this from ellie and poor ellie was just a kid when all this was happening she's still very young and she might not really even have full introspection onto this until she's able to get away from it for yes. a long time, you know? So, you know, this is also very normal, like especially only child stuff. This is not really out of the ordinary for the parent to sort of become like very freaked out when the kid leaves. They usually get a dog, that's why. Right, yeah. And so, yeah, most every girl and or even every kid goes through that with their mom or, or parental figure of whatever sort that they, as they start wanting to kind of gain their independence you know teenage years are a nightmare they are a fucking hellscape for mm -hmm. all of us mm -hmm. but ellie i mean she was she was a, a really good kid so they had their normal tiffs and her mom had her normal reactions to that but ellie decided to go through a study abroad program her first year of college wow that's a big deal yeah which i mean that's so cool 
That is good. She sounds like a like a go getter. I know for real. And also like her academics were so good. She had scholarships to do all these things. Great so. job, girl. Yeah, I was a mess after high school. I was a mess too. I I think my first week in college, I got a scholarship, but um, I'm not even that smart. I just memorized the answers. But I think <laughs> I got in trouble because I got drunk and fell down a flight of stairs. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So they yelled at you instead of going like, are you okay? <laughs> oh, yeah, they yelled at me. They got really mad. I didn't even start college until 20, so you're already doing better than me. <laughs> Um, so also with uh, starting the study abroad, she's dating and stuff now. She's just normal teenage things like wanting to see boys or whatever. And I accentuate this only because some of the programs that have covered this story in this case really seem to push home the point that Ellie and her mom got into a fight the last night that Ellie ever saw her mom. That's just because of blaming the daughter. It, it, it is in a weird way. I, I don't. Ellie's never even suggested this when I've seen her interviewed, but I get a really uncomfortable sense that every time the, these shows come on, they're like, and then you two had a fight, huh? And this poor young woman is like, yeah, like, we got in, we got into a fight. It's because she's young and she's beautiful and people love to raise up and torture those girls. Absolutely. I am pushing home this point that Ellie and her mom got into a fight that was a very normal teenage mom fight um, and it sucks, but it was a normal fight and had, mm -hmm. it had under no circumstances was it Ellie's fault, the things that happened next. This fight was not the reason that anything happened. This is not Ellie's fault in any way. And I just really hate how some people are framing it. Regardless, according to Ellie, Angela's behavior began to change drastically after she started college. And this is also according to Jeff, even though you can't really trust a fucking word that comes out of his mouth. <laughs> so Angela uh, was never diagnosed with anything. She did not go to actually doctors of any kind since the birth of Ellie. She just stopped really yeah. kind of going anywhere. It's probably a trust issue thing, too. Yeah, I, I think it probably it was like she clearly was experiencing some things that nobody really reached out to her in the right way. A lot of um, stress. And also, like I read when she disappeared, she was 119 pounds and 5'9"? Yeah. I am 5'8 and 130. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely very frail. Yeah. Um, and, and that could be somebody's natural body, but it does. That's that is a very low weight. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's stress right there. Yeah. It doesn't seem like it's like the best case scenario. So even though she was never diagnosed and we could never diagnose her on our, you know, outside of a doctor's office, but through Ellie's eyes, she saw something that she would maybe relate to hoarding. Mm. So she was showing signs of distress in different ways. And this was kind of, I think, maybe creeping in through the years as Ellie got older. And then when Ellie left, she did something that can be related to losing a family member in the house, which is like keeping things and not throwing them away. Yeah. And, and just really becoming isolated to the point where she didn't like lights on in the house and stuff. Um, That's depression. Yeah. It, I mean, it just sounds like something that could be treated. But again, Angela feels probably a little bit like she's alone in the world at this point. And I don't think regardless of whatever Jeff did, I don't think he handled it very well. Uh, and of course, Ellie can't be responsible for her mother's mental health. Like, no. regardless. So anyway, I can imagine she must have been feeling the gravity of how isolated she truly was at this point. So let's get into the last night Ellie saw her mother. It was June 19th, 2019. So this was not even two years ago. Ellie had just finished her freshman year of college at University of Kansas and had also just returned from the aforementioned 
study abroad program in Italy for part of her last semester. I bet she had a great time. I, I imagine. And then came home to a nightmare. Yeah. So she came home. They had, again, a very standard mother-daughter fight because Angela was feeling like Ellie didn't need her anymore. Very. She just got back from Italy and now right. she's coming home to her mother. That's like, I mean, I imagine if you graduated valedictorian and speak four languages, you're probably very much watched after. Yeah. Right. So now so she had total freedom and is now coming home to where she's being watched over again. You're going to get a little tiff. Right. And, and just Angela was like having trouble letting go and saying, you don't need me anymore. And God knows, we don't really know what was happening in the house with her and Jeff. She might have been in a crisis situation that we don't even know. We don't know. Yeah, That's a mere speculation, but she's obviously not doing great. And so Ellie speaks Mandarin. And so her mother and her would often talk and at this point, you know, fight in half in English, half in, in Chinese. And Jeff never liked that. He, he got very uncomfortable when they spoke because, because he couldn't speak it. He couldn't speak it. And also after 20 years, dude, if this is the love of your life, wouldn't you learn how to say goodnight in Mandarin? I love you in Mandarin. It does seem a little pointed. I don't know if that's the case or not, but it does feel that way to me too. I would. I mean, it's a difficult language for me, for my English speaking language to learn. It would be difficult. But I, if I love the dude, I would learn how to say I love you. I also... To personally, I would just think it would be a cool experience. Like, I wish I could speak more languages. If I, my partner spoke fluently a different language, I'd be like, please teach me. Make Henry speak Mandarin. Oh, God, <laughs> I have to learn Mandarin. <laughs> During this fight, they were doing that. And so Angela, frustrated, shouted that if Ellie didn't need her anymore, she could go sleep somewhere else. Again, very mom thing to say. Yeah. Uh, this did startle Ellie a little bit, though. Um, her mom had never threatened her with that before, especially because her mom was so possessive. The idea that her mom would tell her to go away was a new thing. So in, you know, pure teen fury, she was just like, fine. And she left the house. She was upset and crying. And she headed to a park where she called her boyfriend and her best friend. And I, I say this all because it's just so it's such a normal thing. It's so normal. So she expected her mom to call her right away and apologize, but she didn't hear from her. Instead, that night, her dad reached out to make sure she had somewhere to sleep, which she did. She stayed with her boyfriend's family. At 8.03 p.m. that night, Ellie received a text from her father, Jeff, said, how are you? We need to talk about mom. Wouldn't the father say, you have to stay home with us? I mean, I guess she's in college. She's a little more independent. But to just your own father, to his very beautiful daughter who's young, wouldn't you say come stay home? Well, I, I think, yeah, maybe it depends on the dynamic. Like, I never had that relationship with my family. I was just, I think, maybe a little bit like Ellie, very headstrong. and and But also... This was a fight happening between Ellie and Angela and Angela and Jeff. Mm. So Jeff is saying, stop doing this. Stop telling her she can't come home. Angela's saying, get her out of the house. I want her out. Ellie's like, I'm going, whatever. And so she had a boyfriend who like the family knew and it was his parents' house. So okay. this is like okay. a pretty safe situation, especially in can't like there's like, you know, there's no nightlife for her to go to or anything, you know. Yeah. But you definitely wouldn't want her just out in the forest or something. Um, but he so he did text and just say, like, make sure that she was OK. But then he has this other text saying we need to talk about mom. 
He then goes on to, through text, say that he was at his brother's house, who his brother lived in the area, and he's asking Ellie to come over so they can talk about her mother over there. Ellie is upset and she just says, she doesn't answer it. She's like, I'm not, you know, I'm not talking to my parents right now. I'm with my boyfriend. We'll deal with this tomorrow. So she never responded. Her aunt and uncle, so her brother and Jeff's brother and his brother's wife, they live in the area. And so this is where Jeff has gone this evening. We still do not know whether or not Angela was with Jeff at this time. Also in the area for Kansas could mean three hours away. It, they do. They live close. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So her aunt and uncle still will not talk to her about the timeline of events that night mm. for fear of upsetting, quote unquote, upsetting her father. What the actual fuck is my question? You will not help this young woman figure out what happened to her mother. It sounds to me like that is shady as hell. Yeah. So that night, whatever has gone on, he's gone to his brother's house. Yeah. They know something. The family's protecting him. It always, the family's always coming and protecting these shady fucking dudes. Okay, so let me explain further so people know what we're talking about here. A few days pass by. She doesn't hear from her mom, but she's also not afraid of her mom's well-being at this point. She just figures that they're in a fight still and that her mom's upset. There's no reason for her to think her mom's in danger. Yeah. Like, this is the thing. She says she feels so guilty about this, and I just, it breaks my heart because this is... She didn't do anything. It's not her fault. And why is the media and everybody blaming her? At least like there are some of them are like alluding to it for like scandal, you know, to sensationalize the story, whatever. So she doesn't know what's going on. Her mom didn't text back, but she's still upset. And and at the three day mark on June 23rd, so it's only been three days since she saw her mom, she received a text message from her dad. And it says, M for mom is getting mental health care and I am at home beginning to organize. Come by anytime. Front door is open. Now to me, this is a super bizarre text. Yeah. I don't know enough about Jeff to know whether or not that he's just a, a blunt person or whether this is super out of the ordinary. Yeah. And what do you mean by health care? What are you organizing? Yeah. So Ellie and her father had both broached the idea, the subject of mental health treatment for her mom, because as we mentioned, she had some isolation issues going on. She included with that, she was getting a little bit of a temper verbally that probably was the only way she really knew how to express herself at this point was she would just like, she never like was physical or anything, but she would get mad and she'd like throw a pot or something to try to get her point across. So this wasn't an entirely out of nowhere topic. But the bluntness of this text put into text form, really, it's just very strange to me to see that. So immediately he's being cryptic with his daughter. Now, Ellie, again, is only 19 years old at this point. She doesn't think anything. She has no reason or desire to think ill of her father. So she just accepts it as is totally understandable as the child in the family yeah you're not looking at your father nefariously or like demanding to know what he's talking about or like break you father you tell me what you're doing yeah it's because um, we know after the fact like we kind of yes, know as what we happened. grow up yeah. yeah like you should have been more on his case but she didn't know at the time it's no. kind of like 9-11 when they're like why didn't they take over the people with the box cutters because they didn't know they're going to fly into the world trade center exactly and also we are we've never been in that situation no. how do we know what we do you know so yeah at this point in her mind she's like oh he's trying to help 
that he's helping her because she's like Ellie's noticed that her she's not doing great so she's like oh my dad's helping okay and then another text from the same day I'm going to need help going through mom's things I will still help you go through mom's things I'm just very sad right now so that's Ellie's response she's sad because her mom is gone her, her mom is gone somewhere she doesn't really understand what's happening and she's she's just trusting her dad and she's like i'm sad I, I will come over she's also got college stuff on top of this you've got finals you've got exams college kids are naturally depressed well for sure and this is her summer break so this was the time she was supposed to have to like recoup mm -hmm. and she's also got human things she's dealing with whatever boyfriend stuff normal human things so very quickly though after this he just buttons up she asked very obvious and basic questions like where is she? What hospital is she in? Can I go see her? And he doesn't really have any answers. Mm. That same night, as Ellie is trying to process this very traumatic and confusing information, he texts, we met the mental health people in the store parking lot and it was a struggle. Better than trying to pry her out of the house. And she always looks good going out so she did not have the embarrassment of house clothes or an untidy house. Oh, don't let anybody know about mom, including her sister's family, until I know more about her condition. And she's just accept like her father. Okay, I guess I'll take orders from my dad. Yeah, and okay, let's break down this, what he's just said. Yeah, don't tell anybody about your mom somewhere. Not only that, a van picked her up in a parking lot of a grocery store. And it was a struggle. I, I, okay, for one, yes, don't tell her mom's family is a huge red flag. Absolutely. I know it can be embarrassing or upsetting if you're going through mental struggles or somebody in your family is, but if the woman is in a hospital, her family has the right to know that. Yes. Secondly, the idea of a, having a van just show up in a parking lot to take a person away involuntarily just does not happen in modern time. The state laws vary from state to state, so I wanted to look up what it was in Kansas, and this is from the Disability Rights Council of Kansas. The DRC of Kansas is a public interest legal advocacy agency empowered by federal law to advocate for the civil and legal rights of Kansans with disabilities. DRC is designated by the state of Kansas, the official protection and advocacy system for Kansas. So this is like a up and up and up legal organization. In 1990, the Kansas legislature passed the Mental Health Reform Act. This law created a gatekeeping or screening function for the mental health centers in Kansas. This law provides that no person may be admitted to a state psychiatric hospital for evaluation or treatment unless a qualified mental health professional employed by a mental health center has screened the person. The mental health professional must authorize the admission in writing. And that's really just like, I'm sure. So the husband isn't like, hey, my wife has opinions. Come scoop her up. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so it goes on for a while, but basically it says the person who, even if they're going through an emergency crisis situation, they still have rights. There has to be a process where we get law enforcement, get stuff on file. The hospital gets stuff on file. There's things that are put into different government departments. So we have paper trails for these things. You can't just call someone and say, yeah, my wife's had a, has a case of being a huge bitch. You got to get her out of here. In a van. Yeah, yeah. Somebody just shows up with a butterfly nut. <laughs> that doesn't happen. Yeah. This isn't 1942. Exactly. I, I guess maybe Jeff wishes it was. But 
you can't just have somebody pick your wife up and not not legally god no. knows if he did this it would have been something very nefarious there's a paper trail like what if you just get lost in a mental asylum somewhere right which apparently <laughs> we're still having issues with but at least fewer people are going lost because of this so that's not how it works anymore in a fucking obama's america we can't even have our wives committed <laughs> um so that's crazy not that i am saying that this is ellie's fault for like not pushing back i'm saying so we're all on the same page here what jeff is saying is already a lie and really crazy so then there's the fact that he would not tell ellie or could not tell ellie where she was simply stating she was down south quote unquote south of where unclear and that ellie couldn't see her and that he had gone to try to visit her after they were taken away and she had gotten physical with him so he just didn't want ellie to have to go through this and see her mom like this it's to me it sounds like he's buying time yeah and already with this much time you could do anything you could drive this person to canada right and then there's the fact that ellie finally comes back to her home days later in the days that followed all this and she realizes that her mother's purse and her personal belongings were still in the house the sort of thing that you grab when you're leaving the house yeah so according to jeff he got her to leave with him to go to this van pickup under the guise of going grocery shopping so why wouldn't she bring her purse to that but she naturally wants to trust and believe her dad and he keeps saying she's getting treatment she's getting treatment so ellie tries to just go okay and goes along with her life though i can imagine she must be in complete distress through all of this incredibly worried about her mom yeah i just imagine there are some warning bells going off but like what is she supposed to do her dad's still kind of the boss and okay i guess mom's in a mental health facility and she doesn't we can't see her because it's like she's going through stuff and dad says don't talk about it so i won't yeah and often like a lot of these families you know you push this drama under the rug oh yeah there's a lot that was going on in my own family that something happened well you don't talk about it yeah definitely so this continues on she it's six weeks go by and she never stops prodding him with questions Mm. but he won't answer anything and she spends her summer break as most college kids do hanging out with her boyfriend and her friends just trying and she got a job trying to just live and not be thinking about this 24 7. then on july 16th 2019 a month and a half since her dad told ellie that angela had been involuntarily detained at a mystery hospital somewhere down south jeff tells ellie that he needs to talk to her in person that day, Ellie had been spending time with her boyfriend in another county. So she said he'd have to wait. If they wanted to talk in person, it'd have to be later on in the evening because she was just far away. Mm-hmm. And he agreed. So Jeff was waiting for Ellie when she and her boyfriend pulled up to his parents' house that night. He met her in the driveway and told her that her mother had died of a stroke in this unnamed hospital and that he was sorry. Ellie, of course, was beside herself she sort of collapsed in the driveway and just went into shock yeah how do you just meet her in the driveway again calculated cold yeah uh he did try to hug her once and she was like still processing and then he just left he just drove away whoa and left her collapsed on the driveway with her boyfriend's family he just left so the next few days go by in a blur for her She has obviously nothing but questions, but he uses the guise of his own grief to say that he can't talk about it yet. 
As this is occurring, he has still not told his co-workers or Angela's family that she has been quote-unquote hospitalized, let alone apparently now deceased. And he prohibits Ellie from telling them also during this time. He has, sounds like he has a lot of control oh, yeah. over this family. Like what you can and can't say. You believe me with utmost authority no matter what. Daddy knows best. But not only that, he's manipulating her with his emotions. Yeah. He's saying, I'm going through this right now. So I'm asking you to not do this because of my own emotions and my own feelings. So she's trying to ask, like, understand. Even her boyfriend's family had Jeff come over the next day or two later for lunch to try to talk about this. And they don't know him that well. So they assume that him being sort of distant and not really answering questions was him going through grief. But he won't tell her boyfriend's family anything either. And so they're just like, I guess, because they don't know him. They're just like, I guess he doesn't, this is how he's processing. They didn't push him. Ellie is herself in a full state of shock. Um, she says she was in shock for two months afterwards. That's understandable. Yeah. So when her father says he doesn't want to do a funeral, she doesn't question that. And she doesn't ask where her mother's body is. She said she didn't want to see her mother's body and she just figured that after stuff was figured out that they would have a memorial service in a month or so or whatever. Yeah. She was in extreme shock and grief at this point. And uh, shock and grief, usually you just kind of go along. Okay, you said okay. Yeah. I remember when my dad died and we go to the funeral home and I get funeral homes need to make their money. I understand. But he just kept being like, if you really loved him, you would get a satin pillow. Ugh. And I saw my mom just kind of like nothing behind her eyes, just kind of nodding. And I was like, I oh, knew man. that we didn't have the money. So I was like, hey, dude, we're getting a pine box casket, like oh, my dad said. And we're not doing any of this pillows. And yeah. if you keep trying to sell us on this, we will take his body somewhere else. Yeah, no, totally. That's I'm glad you were there because they definitely there's a big problem in the funeral industry with yeah. corruption. Well, but when you, yeah, when you're going through grief, you just, okay, I, I guess I won't talk about it. I guess we'll just the body. I yeah. don't know. Yeah. And the idea of like, you need to keep your body in something that preserves it underground and this thing that costs $12,000. Like, no, you should let your body deteriorate in the ground. Yeah. You can be a part of Earth again. Like you're just wasting all this money and natural resources, whatever. I'm not going to start talking about the funeral industry, but I like that's cool. Like I appreciate your your input as somebody who, as long as you don't mind saying you lost your father, it might be easy to again look at this from the outside and go like, well, why didn't she ask? But when you're in that process, it's like probably moment to moment, right? Where you're just oh, like yeah. trying to get through the day. Yeah, you're not even like aware of your body yeah. or your space you just it's like nothing behind the eyes yeah yeah and so this is what's happening on top of her father very clearly gaslighting her yeah. through all of this um i know that word gets thrown around a lot now but this is definitely she's being gaslit through all of this and we'll continue to show you this situation as it goes it's a horrible, th this version of it too is such a horrible and cruel thing to do to your child to save your own skin, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, not only prohibiting her from getting any sense of closure by being honest about what happened, but he's going along letting her believe that her mother-daughter fight with her mom was what sent her over the edge so badly she needed to be taken away in some kind of hospital van. Yeah, you killed your mother. I mean, he does sort of like push that, like not directly, but he like, there's stuff in there. There are a bunch of recorded phone calls, which we're going to talk about now 
that Elliot recorded of her and her father. And there are some moments where he's like, the reason she got like this was when you left and when you went to school. I bet school. he waited for the right moment. And I know this is me sort of muddling the case with my own thoughts. That's what we're doing. We're not journalists here. We are yeah. We're commenting on this. I'm just yeah. a woman with a lot of emotions. <laughs> but I bet he just sat back and waited for the right time. I, I could see that scenario. Yeah, waited for the right time. Oh, they got in a fight? Okay, yeah. she's, she told her to get out of the house? All right, now's the time. Yeah, I can also see a scenario where he snapped and did something and then it was too late and now he's trying to cover his tracks we'll see but he is a, he's a coward i will put that out there he's a fucking cowardly man and very selfish luxury is meant to be livable discover the new leather collection at ashley with premium quality leather sofas recliners and more all built to last no matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. When booking with other vacation rental apps sounds like this. This place doesn't look like the pictures. Ah, is there a door behind all those spiders? It's time to try one that sounds more like a vacation. Ah, this is perfect. Relax, you booked a Verbo. So there are, like I said, a number of phone calls between Ellie and her father in the later months. And very thankfully, Ellie recorded these things. So we have some insight more so into this. And some of the stuff may sound like I'm speculating, but this is taken from real information that we have. The fact that the daughter had the wherewithal to record the conversation between her and her father just in case something came up, I mean, the strength she must have to do that. She's a badass girl, like woman. I don't mean to call her a girl. She's a young woman, but she's a badass mm -hmm. um, for sure. This is also later down the line. So let's go down the timeline. This is the summertime. She's a full state of shock and not to have anyone, but maybe her boyfriend and a few friends to console her and share her grief must have been so awful because as the weeks pass, she starts to have a lot of questions and Jeff has shut down. He has zero answers to the most mundane of questions she's asking. Where's the body? Who told you she died? Did you see the body? At this point, Ellie's spending a lot of time with her boyfriend's family in the remaining part of the summer before she heads back to college. So she's only seeing her dad a couple times a week for dinners and whatnot. Um, so she's asking these really crazy questions. I mean, so she's asking these really not crazy questions, very standard, just like run of the mill. Where's my mom? Right. And he just will not answer her. I'm going to play a little clip here of him talking about having her mother cremated uh so you can hear it in his own voice and like how irrationally like how ridiculous what he's saying is and how she's having to try to coax stuff out of him so i'm gonna play this here so who came by for the cremation oh i don't know um uh, male about 45 um a man uh uh, Caucasian, dark hair, that's all I can remember from my I mean, back when. Like, was, how much money was it? Oh, it wasn't much. It was $1,500, which is about right for cremation, so. And where are the ashes at now? Well, that's the other thing. Got the, I got the urn back, and there's no, I didn't check it but until just this past weekend, and I, I thought, should I open the urn, you know? So I finally did. I opened it up, and it's empty, so there were no ashes in it, so. 
I, I, it's and all screwy. It's where is that? Where is the end? Derns at home in Prairie Village. I put it up on the shelf when I got it and didn't think anything about it. Um, can you see you it? Remember that during that time I was can I very leave? upset and beside myself and sad and emotions were going all kinds of weird ways and the loss and grief and everything and it's can, like I didn't wait, wait. check anything. Can I see the urn? Yeah, sure. Yeah, absolutely. So that's all I know at this point. And the past few days have been very stressful. So anyhow, it's uh, hopefully it'll calm down a little bit and what, we'll get like, some answers at some point. Right? What about the story you told me about like taking her from a parking lot and well her, like, that was I didn't I didn't want you to think that she had run off with some stranger to do something and um, I thought it would be uh, well dad you know I want the truth yeah and the, yeah and the truth is that she um, kind of disappeared. I didn't want you to think that she'd, but you know, run off and gone somewhere. So, did you did you hurt mom? No. No, I wanted to get her help. So that was a a, a call that happened the following year. But this is that what's happening in this real time. She's having these things happen with her father where he's talking about, oh, yeah, a man showed up and he uh, he said he was going to cremate her. So I gave him money. I don't know. It was just some guy. Weird. So yeah. weird. And just like to have no closure. When someone dies, you need closure. Yeah. You or even to... just like a rational explanation. Yeah. That's what funerals are for. Yeah. For the closure. Absolutely. Yeah. No, Ellie has been given no closure whatsoever. And again, why I'm calling her father a fucking coward. So she is now not really seeing her dad very much. At this point, Ellie just assumes her dad is going spiraling through his own thing. And that's why he's shutting down. And so she's just trying to go on with her life. But even at that point, Ellie is getting a strange feeling. She herself is experiencing this unexpected loss and she's 19. She's never gone through anything like this before. So she's not sure what to expect. And she doesn't have any reason to not trust her father, but something is clearly not right here. For one, he still will not permit Ellie to reach out to Angela's sister, Catherine. Crazy. Why? This makes no sense. It's her sister. It makes no sense. He's saying it's for his own processing time, which is, that make, what do you mean? Yeah. Why would telling her sister be hard for you, dude? Like, he just wants to control her and he wants less people asking oh, questions. That's what it certainly seems like. Yeah. The only person, because right now, the only person asking questions is the daughter. Right. And if you could keep her under lock and key, and he's just going as long as possible, because, right, what's it been almost a year at this point? No, this is just two months in. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. So this is two months in. This is still the summertime when she's still trying to like understand what's happening on. So we're still in the summer of 2019 here. In between the time of Ellie getting kicked out by her mom and Jeff delivering the news to Angela's death, the 4th of July happens. Usually the aforementioned island we were talking about in front of the house, 
there's a little video of it uh, with this really great group called Profiling Evil. I'll either link it to, I'll give you the information, but at the end of the episode, but it was uh, usually in front of the house. She was very patriotic and very proud of being an American. And so Angela would decorate for the 4th of July, the island to the nines with flags and make sure all the flowers were beautiful. She was, even though she felt maybe so isolated, she was so proud of American uh, life and culture and being a part of it, which breaks my heart even more. So neighbors noticed that July that it wasn't being tended to. This is when that time when, quote unquote, she's supposed to be in the mental hospital. Not that any neighbors would know that. So they noticed, though, that nothing's being tended to in this island, except somebody placed one flag out there. Almost like, like Angela was the only person to tend this land and and it was what she was known for. So why would somebody else come put a flag out or was it Jeff in an attempt to not raise any suspicion yeah, or everything's questions? Everything's fine. Everything's fine. So we just like plopped a flag out where she would normally decorate. And meanwhile, like weeds are growing. Yeah. We're like, wait a minute. That's usually nice. But like nobody questioned anything, you know? So because she just didn't have, I guess, any allies in the neighborhood or people to ask where she is. Um, we get now to September 2019. This is two months after Jeff tells Ellie that her mother has died. Jeff has Ellie forge Angela's name on a life insurance document that is now in police custody. Oh, because their hand, their signatures look the same. Yes. He convinces his daughter to forge her name because he was saying he couldn't do it. But he also lied to Ellie at the time, saying that what she was signing was a retirement benefit doc for him because he was retiring and he made some shit up bullshit excuse and also like what she doesn't know what retirement means yeah and this is daddy dearest okay i'll sign yeah absolutely and this isn't like i'm not even trying to infantilize ellie at all i as an adult like much older i probably if i had a relative older just saying like can you sign this for me it's just like to do yeah. blah, blah, blah. be like okay i got so many contracts i haven't read but he, yeah oh my god still Still, you know? I think um, I signed on to be a Twitch affiliate and I went online to ask, like, what about payouts? And then people were like, you didn't read the contract? And I'm like, <laughs> no, you dumb bitch. I didn't read the contract. No, I didn't read the contract. <laughs> um, so, yeah. And he just straight up lied to her about what it was, which is actually like putting her in legal peril. Yeah. In November 18, 2019, four months from this news, five months since Ellie has last seen her mom, just before Thanksgiving Day, Jeff tells his siblings that Angela has died. Family travels to Kansas. So this is presumably other siblings than the brother that he has that lives close by. He tells them that she's died. Family travels to Kansas to be with Jeff and Ellie. Jeff tells the family members that Angela died at home of a heart attack or stroke, but never in front of Ellie. Because so, then Ellie would be like, no, she didn't. Yeah. So he tells them this other story, but not in front of Ellie. This is so confusing. For one, I'm so perplexed why Jeff's brother and sister-in-law, whose names are Brad and Marva, they're the ones who live close by, the place that he went to when Ellie was kicked out, have not had anything to say to Ellie about that night. Ellie still doesn't know if her mom was there. What is wrong with these motherfuckers in this family? They're like, just what? protecting this dude. This is nuts. So then around this time, Jeff purchases a second home in nearby Lawrence, Kansas. He buys this with the intent of giving Ellie a place to live. To me, from what I've read and heard, he seems to be repeatedly trying to buy her off and distract yeah. her from asking questions. It didn't work, FYI. She didn't stop pursuing it. Like, he seemed to think that if he just bought his daughter's stuff, she would just, like, forget about her mom or something. Stop asking questions. Damn. 
um yeah it's really fucked and then christmas that year they actually go to that brother's house brad for christmas and no one will talk to ellie about her mom they know something they must know something it hurt ellie really badly particularly since angela was very giving with her time to them and that their family and would be this huge part of making the holidays really special and she would like help brad and marva like move and do all these things and now they just want to seem to like forget about her and like they're not trying to help at all they and, just turn their back yeah and also just to like the pain that ellie's going through and they're it's their niece you know? know nobody wants to sit with her and like look through a journal like a photo book with here's you and your mom as a baby right they didn't want to talk about her they didn't want to talk about her and bring her up at all it's it's so weird yeah you would think if this happened you would make the celebration about her mother yeah you know Ugh. And so, she's Ellie's just got to be at this like gathering, just like feeling so confused. Yes, she's and at this point she's actively still being gaslit, and she's starting to spiral because that's what happens. The literal term of gaslighting comes from that movie where the guy is trying to confuse his wife's. She's crazy by doing stuff like changing the lights. Mm -hmm. She is now. I'm sure in some point of part of her head going. Am I the only one who sees that this is crazy? What is happening? Am, like, is it, am I wrong? You know, like that's probably what she's going through. She's still in school. She's still being supported financially by her father, but she's experiencing very understandably deep anxiety. She's losing a ton of weight and she has to start taking medication to battle the anxiety and to keep herself functional in school. And I'm sure that's something her father uses against her. Oh, you're feeling this way? Well, it's probably that medicine you're on. Oh, I mean, she's asking a lot of questions. Well, she is on medicine. I mean, you know, it's pretty close to that. Yeah. <laughs> so now it's 2020. Now uh, there are no answers given to her and things only get murkier and more suspicious. Can you imagine like going through COVID? I mean, I was going through COVID, losing my job, being alone and that was a lot for me mentally yeah. i can't imagine you don't even know where your mother is she's presumed dead but she's in a mental institution maybe or where's her body where's the funeral and right. now we're locked down in quarantine like that's a lot it's come we're coming up to the quarantine time for sure like this is eight months in basically let's see yeah eight months i had to count like a kindergartner there <laughs> um it's been about eight months i imagine ellie thought that by now, her father would have had answers for her. And now as time's passing by, she's getting more and more suspicious as, of course, you know, like what did, did her dad just think she was going to forget? Yeah. <laughs> like, All right. Bye, mom. I mean, he sounds like a true sociopath. Something. I don't know. There's definitely something going on. But then on again, him. we don't know a lot about him. We There's don't. Not a lot of like I saw a picture of him and that's kind of all. And a, he's a mechanic. Yep. We don't really know because his whole family is shut down. So... Ellie can't take it anymore. She decides no matter what her dad says, she's going to call Angela's sister, Catherine. And on February 19th, 2020, she does that. Mm. Remember, at this point, Catherine doesn't even know Angela was supposedly gone to a hospital. Yeah, she just thinks, oh, my sister's fine. Yeah. So at one point during this eight-month period, Catherine had tried to get a hold of Angela for something like menial and couldn't reach her, but she didn't really think anything of it because... Like I said, their lives got apart. And I've also, my family is like that too. Sometimes I'll realize I haven't reached out to somebody yeah. and like, oh my God, it's been like 10 months. Holy shit. Yeah. Especially if you have kids. That's yeah. kind of a lot. Yeah. And she does. So um, 
you know, she just didn't think about it. And so Catherine was completely unaware of any of this going on since Jeff refused to contact them. Ellie falls apart and she starts sobbing and she tells Catherine that Angela has died. I think this, I, I imagine, I think this interaction might have been to inform Catherine, of course, but I think it also just so that Ellie didn't feel like she was going insane. You know, like yeah, nobody else is talking about this. So, Because she's only had an experience with his family, her father's side, and they wouldn't even talk about her mother. And yeah. She's like, I want closure. I want to talk about my mother. I want to know if she's like in danger. You know, like maybe she's not dead. We don't know. There's nothing for me to, to don't believe know. that she's died. And this is a new Except case. my dad. Yeah, except my dad. Yeah. So Catherine was first like, why didn't your father tell me this? And then as Ellie's telling everything that's going on, Catherine's like, wait, you, this happened last summer? She had no idea. And yeah. so... I mean, Ellie needed help and there's just like nobody there for her. Nobody there. But then it doesn't her her mother's family are like lawyers and doctors. Yes. So this is where we're going to, I think, leave off today. Help is coming on the way. Yeah. Ellie is now turned into like a bad bitch where she's just like, you know what? I'm going to figure this out because apparently nobody else is going to help me, even though this should not be on our shoulders. No, it should not be. So now she has told another person eight months later and her family's going to come in and they're going to try to figure this out. And that we're going to wrap this story up next week. And I, yeah, my heart just goes out to Ellie that this is just so unfair on so many levels. And she should not have to be doing this with such little support. So, and she wasn't allowed to like, keep in mind, she wasn't allowed to party. You know, she's kept very insular with her family and to like step out and make these big moves like this. This is a lot. I mean, especially because she's always shown and you can hear this in the phone calls she has with her dad. She's given her father so much respect through all of this, where I think I would have been hysterical at this point. And even though he's being maddening, she's just going, "Okay, but then what about this? And he says a dumb thing and she goes, "Okay, but. That doesn't really make sense. And then he gets frustrated and starts yelling at her. And I, she just, she has patience and she has so much respect for her her parents and so much respect for her dad. And he has, he doesn't earned, he hasn't earned that respect, in mm-hmm. my opinion. So we're going to finish this next week and uh, hopefully keep Ellie's story and Angela's story alive and make people keep remembering her because this isn't okay. And we're going to no. try to help this stay alive it's a new case it really is i mean this is this is just happening this was happening during covid during covid she could still be alive that it's very yeah you know it would probably be very slim chance but she could be alive i mean there's no reason we haven't found anything to suggest she's not alive or alive at this point so thank you for joining me this week amber we uh, will conclude this next week. Like I said, I'm Natalie Jean. You can follow me at the Natty Jean and you can follow the show at someplace underneath on Instagram and TikTok. Amber? I am Amber Smelson, S-M-E-L-S-O-N. And I am on Instagram, Twitter, with all of that. All right. Well, okay. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>
sofas, recliners, love seats. Everything is better in leather. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley, where bold meets durable. And wait a minute. Who's been finger painting on the couch again? That's okay. Leather is easy to clean. The new leather collection at Ashley is built with the durability you need for the whole family. Yes, pets too. Luxury is meant to be livable. Shop chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Welcome back to our studio where we have a special guest with us today, Toucan Sam from Fruit Loops. Toucan Sam, welcome. It's my pleasure to be here. Oh, and um, it's Fruit Loops, just so you know. Uh, fruit? Fruit. Yeah, fruit. No, it's Fruit Loops. The same way you say studio. That's not how we say it. Fruit Loops, find the loopy side. <laughs> 